0: Okay, so one of the questions, when I get asked what have you learned, I immediately think of Ricky. Ricky was someone I knew 20 years ago, and he has always been the man that I knew 20 years ago. He looked like it, sounded like it, and acted like it. And that conversation absolutely destroyed that vision, who he was. What I learned from him, it challenged my biases about you know you think of someone a certain way but they're not that person anymore but you don't know that so how dare you think about them in that way you haven't even given them opportunity to present to you in a different way let's face it most of us in our early 20s late late teens early 20s were dickheads let's we we were i mean young and dumb his mental health battles, though, really touched a nerve with me because I have my own mental health battles and he allowed me a glimpse into that and what it's like for him but what it's like for his uh, soon-to-be wife. That sentence that he said, that she sat with him and said, is there anything I can do? I was like, chills. Because... I think for me, I've always been a fixer. And by that, what I mean is when someone's got a problem or someone's struggling, I'm straight away like, how can I help you? How can I fix it for you? We can do this. We can throw in out some stuff. Ask me to find a solution for my own problem. See you later. I'm out the door. Don't don't come at me with that. But for other people, absolutely. And I've really had to learn how not to do that is to sit with them and just listen, but also say, what do you need? And then it gives them the space to be able to say, I don't need anything, I don't need a solution, I just need you to sit with me. And there's something incredibly powerful about being able to just sit in somebody's space, sit with them and allow them to go through what they need to, but show them that you're there. Even if it's just to hold their hand, you're not trying to fix it. Because I think sometimes the frustration I feel sometimes when I have a, when I'm going through it, you don't want it always to be fixed. You need to just tell someone, that's like the first step. Sometimes you just need to get it out. You need to get it out of you into the universe so someone else knows and what can happen is when you try to fix it, if you go straight for solutions, you feel like you're not actually being heard. And so there's something incredibly powerful to be able to just say, what do you need? Is there anything I can do? And guess what? That also means I will sit here with you while you go through it. So I am incredibly grateful to him for that it was and is something that i hold on to because and i think everybody else should take that on board is there anything i can do give them the space to tell you this is what i need right now i could label that point for ages but yeah so ricky really hammered home something for me and i'm really trying learning to, to be able to do that. Will I be able to do that in a relationship? Oh, I fucking hope so. But who knows? It's, it's learning. You're learning all the time. You're trying it out and you've got to keep going. So hopefully I have someone who's understanding and patient most of the time. If you were to ask me, who do I identify with the most out of all the conversations I've had, It wouldn't have been Dustin. There's a unit of an American guy. That blew my mind. And I, again, could have... All these conversations, I could speak to everybody for fucking ages. But how I ended up identifying with him out of all these people I'm talking to was fucking insane. Now, there is a problem with the fact that he has found love since. Or was during this conversation already finding um a a serious relationship so now i i'm like well if you dude if you made it happen then i gotta make it happen otherwise what's happening like what's wrong with me i'm gonna internalize that shit dustin so dustin identified himself as asexual and aromantic his his upbringing was not fun so you I guess it feels like it came from trauma which he he does uh, say in the conversation it comes his his relationships his whole being with those other people was the you know disconnect was because of trauma and then he's found this person that he can be with which is very cool and like he's finding it so i got to find it at some point, right? But again, there's, like, all these people have this strength in them. Whether they realise it or not, that they've been through some shit and they're going to still... They've been through some shit, but they still show up and they're still willing to keep going. Which, yeah, that makes me pretty emotional because sometimes I don't feel like I have that strength to keep going. But I will. And Dustin... Is a fucking unit. What else can I say? (laughs) Dustin is a unit, but he's such a genuine guy and doesn't identify with this masculinity that has been out there for a long time. I understand that the people that I've been speaking to when when it comes to men is that all of them are not afraid to look at their feelings and their emotions and talk about it and deal with it. Otherwise, I'm guessing if they weren't, they probably wouldn't be saying, yeah, I'll come on and have a conversation. But this guy's a unit. You look at him, you hear him, and you're like, hmm, this guy's going to be a douche. But he's not. He's fucking gentle. He's like a gentle bear. Um, He's not gay, though. He's not a gay bear. But he's a gentle bear that likes pink and Barbie and... I can't believe that I identified with him the most. Which, interestingly enough, got me thinking about how do I identify myself? And one of the people on the on the podcast did actually ask me if maybe after this conversation, maybe I was asexual too, aromantic. And I was like, mm, I don't think that's right. And then looking at the description for asexual and aromantic that i had posted up there was also the demisexual romantic, that you have to have a connection with somebody before those kind of feelings can come about and that spoke to me so whether that is actually what it is for me is that i need to be able to have that emotional connection kind of makes sense whether that was the same years ago i don't know because i wasn't as in touch with my feelings anyway so that really goes to show though that through the years you do need to kind of have a moment and take stock of where you're at and how you identify yourself how you perceive yourself and is it really true because that's what I got from the speed dating as well is I was walking in there thinking that I was going to act and respond the same way that I would have done 10 years ago it's just that I'd never had the opportunity to show that actually no i've moved on from then and actually it was quite funny to be honest it wasn't weird egg but i was quite funny i hope anyway i mean i thought it was funny that's all that matters right how many of us do take stock of who we are now and not hold on to the thoughts of who we think we are back it like 10 years, even a year ago, fuck man, even a year ago, it would have been interesting. Who am I then to who I'm like, our experiences shape us. I'm rambling. Anyway, one thing that I do with these conversations is I don't actually listen back to them after they have been recorded, if I can help it, because I want to sit with what had actually been said and discussed what I've learned in that moment, what I picked up. And then maybe as I get to edit a couple of weeks later or whatever, then I can go back and pick up other things that I may have not picked up on that speak to me because I'm a bit more kind of able to sit there and be like, oh my God, she said this. And so with Egg, Egg was my first conversation and we had a back to kind of like see what was going on afterwards it was interesting because it was actually a little bit divisive for some people about the um, can I stand to be around you? Can I tolerate you? How long can I tolerate you for? It was, for some people that seemed a little bit offensive. Like how? Why would like if you're if you're tolerating somebody, then you shouldn't be there anyway. And I think the context or the connotation of toleration is that it's a, a negative. But it's not. How long can you be in somebody's space for? That's hard. It made me really think about that in my previous relationships. How long could I stay in that space for? Turns out I was actually thinking about this. And turns out it wasn't long before I was like thinking about how I could exit and go, oh shit, I'm still supposed to be here for another 24 hours. Which again, dickhead. Like absolute dickhead. I know that that's on me. Should have got out. But one thing that stayed with me was that. How long can you tolerate somebody for? It's actually a genuine question. When you walk away from somebody, ask yourself, could I have stayed for longer? Did I want to stay for longer? If I was quite... Not that, like, I was happy to leave, but if I was looking for an exit, ask yourself, if you're going back... But you were looking for an exit ask yourself why the fuck are you going back so there's that but also that am i giving a hundred percent to this person no i don't know if if you're supposed to be giving a hundred percent i feel like you should be but there is also something in what egg says in in that you get some needs are satisfied by your like your friends or your family so your your partner doesn't need to be ticking every single fucking box i hope not anyway because i'm not sure that i want to be working out with them fuck man i don't really do anything else other than drink coffee so we can drink coffee together but i was really glad that she came back on so we could discuss that and the amount of thinking that she had done in uh, after that first conversation was really cool to see and that she hadn't been giving herself um giving her giving a hundred percent to people or you know her wife at the time what else have i learned oh well okay really interesting we had two different people on and uh, one of them was rin and the other one was naomi and they're both into loving themselves first Getting those boundaries in and the value. So unless you're bringing value to that relationship, it's not happening. But they do it in such different ways, which was fascinating. I, I'm not going to be, not going to lie. I could listen to Rin's voice all day. If she wants to record something for me and just go with it, I could do it. Just sit there. If she wants, Rin, if you want to be my meditation... For the day, my alarm, my ringtone, I'm here for it. But what was interesting is I had two different reactions leading up to the conversations with them. So with Rin, I was very much kind of like, it's easy for you to be in the position where you like want to love some, like love yourself before you love someone else. because you've done it before. That was my thing. Well, you've done it before. So of course this is something you've experienced it. So yeah, fuck it. Like you've experienced it. So this is easier for you. And that's not fucking true. I don't think that's true. That's just me being a a dickhead again. I'm just gonna count this up. Probably call myself a dickhead twice now, maybe three times. But I really had this like, oh, it's fucking easy for you because you've done it before. Like you've, you've been in love before. You've had these long term relationships. You's, you know what it's like to to just be in that day to day. But she was dropping bombs and some of them were really, really good and really made me think because there's some stuff that's been out in podcasts recently about that spark. Like if you feel the spark, it's probably not the relationship for you. Whereas if you're like, eh, it's all right and keep going, those relationships are what going to last. So let me find that quote. I can't find the quote. However, what Rin was talking about when she was saying about how you can stay in this relationship when it's not spicy, when it's not the new thing, those days where you're just gonna work and you're coming home and you're just doing your thing and maybe the weekends just look like you go out for breakfast together or you know you're just doing normal stuff because let's face it it's impossible to be doing something crazy every fucking day and I think that sometimes we romanticize love in a way that and these relationships in a way that It must... We must feel that spark all the time. Because if we're not feeling the spark, something's wrong. And this is not the right person. But actually it's wrong. Because if you can't sit with them... And feel... Happy. Or... mm, I'm not sure if that's the right word. But if you can't sit with them... In the boring mundane stuff... Then what's the point? Because life is about boring mundane stuff and actually with the way that the world has gone to shit in the last like five years give me some boring mundane stuff with somebody (laughs) give me some like let like just some quiet like just hang out maybe we're just literally going for a walk or watching a film or a tv program i don't know Which is in direct contrast to one of what Fran had said about, you know, maybe you'll be happy just sitting there watching Coronation Street, having a kid, maybe two kids. But I think there's a different lesson in that one. But yeah, so with Rin, dropping bombs all over the place, making you think. And I definitely went into that. Like she she was coming from a privileged place in relationships. When actually that's just me projecting my shit onto her and then you had naomi who hasn't been in a relationship since like 2016 she's loving herself i admitted in the in in that conversation that i went straight into it like oh yeah fuck it now love yourself What bullshit but it is true though like if you can't love yourself how can you expect someone else to love you the way that you deserve to be loved In an authentic way, at that, and I know it's hard to love yourself because you've got to love all the imperfections. But there's someone, or many people, because it's not just about like that intimate relationship. But you've got friends who love you for your imperfections. Fucking hell, I'm telling you now, I've got many of them, and I've got some friends that still somehow love me. So it's hard. And there's a lot to do to get into a place that you can love yourself, and it doesn't. It's not twenty four seven. You will find you go, oh fuck, you're a dickhead, and then it happens. But you get back on track. She says it in a different way, maybe in a bit more of a peppy way than Rin does, but she definitely is onto something with loving yourself, especially women in a later stage in life that menopause area because fuck man you don't know what's going on with your body and i'm just quoting somebody that i listen to on a podcast because i haven't done menopause yet but let's face it periods fucking hell who knows what's going on with your body when that shit's happening (sighs) but i like to tell everybody nick i learned some good stuff what's interesting is there were a couple of conversations with Fran and Molly where I saw some kind of link in the fact that, you know, Fran had, oh man, like talk about being shit on in so many ways when it came to like how friends interact in your relationships, especially if you're friends with both and how with Molly, which was the same, her whole life was built around a teenage group of friends and her husband who was a teenage friend of hers. And how losing friends is fucking terrifying and and it's heartbreaking. I know what it's like to have your heart broken by a friend, whether they mean to do it or not. It's mm, not fun, not fun. And I bet you most of the people that listen to this probably know what it's like, probably. But it was interesting because they went through different experiences Leading up to the end of their relationships. But Fran's right. If you're not thinking about it. You're just going into this whole. Relationship situation. Where 10 years from now. If you're not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden you're like. Oh shit. And that's where Molly found herself. Oh shit. I've got to take a look at myself. Because this is not what I want. And then her. Her. Her marriage, her relationship since she was like 14 is over and she lost everything and that there's some fucking bravery in that. There really is to, and I joke about it with her, to blow up your life uh, that takes, takes some fucking doing, takes, takes some courage. But she did it because she had to. And the lesson I got from, from Molly was that you can be the bad guy but you're still a good person or you can do bad things. You can hurt people and still be a good person because we can't go through life without accidentally hurting other people because sometimes we wake up and realize that we've been not living a lie, but living outside of where we should be and not in alignment I won't get too spiritual. What I had with Fran and this sense that I get from Fran when I think about that conversation was one, could have talked to her for ages, but like the strength. And I don't know whether she feels like she is strong or, or feels like there's strength there, but there's some strength there. When you go through what you what she went through to be engaged, then you find out that the duration of your relationship you've been cheated on. And you're essentially being painted from the very beginning as this monster. And then she's she's dating again. She's dating and she's laying down the road like this is not okay. I'm not going to put up with this. That's some strength right there. That's some fucking confidence. Even if it's bullshit confidence, that's some fucking confidence. And so when I think about that conversation, it is definitely strength. I don't think there's like this secret to it about getting your heart broken and then going and dating again, other than you've just got to do it. So I don't know what my excuse is because I've not had my heart broken. <laughs> I do know what my excuse is. That's why we have therapy. But it was fascinating. I really am wondering, did she, is she going to get that engagement ring in her 40s? And then she's hitting all the decades there, all the legal decades anyway. So who knows? We'll soon find out. I believe that she's going to be hitting 40 very soon. So fingers crossed. Most of, no, not most of, all these conversations are because I want to learn more about me, challenge me and be a better person, moving into a relationship for someone else as well as myself and those around me. I don't drink anymore. I haven't drunk in nearly two years. I get the urge, um, but it's more of a, I get the urge to get absolutely obliterated because it'd be so much fun, oh my God, just to lose control. But then I know, one, you lose control and you have no fucking idea what you're gonna do. Are you gonna be the happy drunk that falls about everywhere, loves everybody, is hugging everybody? Are you gonna be that drunk that's like, oh shit, someone needs to take care of her. And then wake up the next day, not know what you did. And then take a week to get over that one night. Because let's face it, I'm not young anymore. It's going to take me a week to get over a session. Not that a session would take long because it'd probably only be one bottle of beer. And then I'd be on the floor. But I was really interested in how that works for a non-drinker because when I go on apps there's a lot of profiles that are people that drink because their profiles literally have pictures and pictures and pictures and they're all holding something that looks like alcohol or you think is probably alcohol if every picture that you have on your dating app has you holding a drink and looking like you're at a party I'm I will swipe left I'm probably not your cup of tea anyway but to me it says that we wouldn't fit because you're about drinking and I'm not about drinking. So having Rachel on to have a conversation about what it's like to find love being sober, again, there's strength. She found the strength to get sober and to live with that on a daily basis, moment to moment, but break up, walk away from her marriage. That's heartbreaking. I know that... She's technically seen as the bad guy, just like Molly was technically seen as a bad guy because you're the ones walking away from these relationships. But there's something really hard and heartbreaking because you know you're hurting other people, but you know that you have to look after yourselves first. You know, the bullshit cliche of putting your own mask on first because you can't help anybody else otherwise. And so I was really interested in how does she navigate it? Problem is me and Rachel are like two fucking different ends of a spectrum she is the life of a party without having a drink absolute legend however this is not to big up her ego but she's she's so fucking driven she wants something as soon as something comes into her head and she's like that's what i want she goes for it it's incredible give me an ounce of that And I'll do something. So it was really hard to. While her finding love sober was helpful, it was also not helpful because our personalities aren't the same. So we're not running from the same frame of reference. But I do know that it's possible, and it's possible to be with someone that does drink, obviously, not getting wankered every weekend. But it is possible. And that's the main thing I take away from, from that conversation is that it's okay. I do wonder if people are gonna judge me. I'm not judging them unless they are a dickhead. But I think that, again, there's some, there's a lot of fucking strength in people that have got to blow up their lives to make it better. You're never not gonna. You're never gonna be a, a good guy twenty four seven. Sometimes you have to be the bad guy to get yourself moving, which is oh gross because you want to not hurt people, but it's got to be done. Sadly, it's got to be done. Just if if you're stuck, and if you need to make yourself better, someone's gonna get hurt. It happens with friends too. When you grow. And they can't grow with you. Someone's going to get their heart broken. Which leads me to my next... Learning. Which... Is more about something I did not learn but identified... That is divisive among people. Is that team... Slash not team? When talking to Pip... Pip's a fucking riot. I mean... Lizzo concerts and hot tubs and foursomes and whatever. Not for me, but don't, what is it? Don't yuck someone's yum. Don't actually like that saying, but whatever. She's a riot and she had some really interesting things. She again blew up her life of what she thought she wanted and what was safe to go for living more authentically, which is what everybody's just trying to do. If you have the courage to do it. What I thought was interesting from Pip is that whole, oh God, the team thing. Like, it's not a thing. You're not a team. But then I do wonder, are you, though, supposed to be a team? Because a team is two individuals, three, four, like football for a, a, a example. you got 11 players on the pitch and you got all these other people around you. If you're in a partnership with somebody, intimate relationship... And you are both individuals. you both have your own likes, dislikes, your own frame of references, obviously because you grew up differently. you look at the world maybe a little bit differently. You can still be a team because you've got the same goal, which is to be together. This is how do you get to that point, and is it worth it? Because no team stays the same. If it's not working. But it was divisive for some people. I got some DMs like, no, this, you are a team. But it was an interesting way of looking at it. But I think that I do believe it's not necessarily about growing together, but being able to grow side by side and allowing that other person's space to grow separately. Because if you grow together, if it doesn't work out, who are you? Who are you if you've done all that growing with that other person involved? That person needs to be able to accept and grow alongside you. Like a tree. Let's all be trees. Let's grow alongside each other, but we're all fucking different. Different trees grow together, different branches, all that shit. So let's all be trees. That's all I can say about that one. But she was a fucking riot. And I'm still not going to a sex club with you, Pip. I'm sorry. Now, the last conversation this year was with Lou. She put her hand up when I said, anybody interested in having a chat with me? And she really wanted to talk about her, the kind of navigating a relationship while having health-related issues. And I was really interested in that because of the... Uh, my fear of having mental health stuff that it would be too much for another person. How do you trust someone to stick around and that they want to stick around? How do you trust it? And it, I have to say, it's like this subtle masterclass in how to have a relationship. Because it's all, it's all there in between the lines of communication and just having... To trust that other person. It was really interesting. She's, you know, gone through quite a bit. And she was able to... And she's able to stay with Karis. And trust in Karis that Karis wants to be there. And it turns out Karis is the absolute fucking hero. But we can't ever forget that it's really scary for the person who has those issues because of the fact that i worry that when i have my low moments it's going to be too much for somebody i always think that about my friends as well like fucking hell here we go again sorry guys but you just have to trust that they are going to be on the same wavelengths as you and that they're going to communicate which is what they do they communicate and also they're very different people And they know that, and they allow for that. Ultimately, what I used to think about relationships was that you needed to be having good sex, I guess. Compromising. Some people compromising more than others. And that you would grow together. But I don't think that's true. I think communication, if you can't communicate, it's not going to work. And if you can't communicate and you're 10 years down the line, it's going to hurt. Take a look at yourself and what you need to do. And if they can't get on board, you need to be that person and do the hard thing. But you also need to, I think, be sexually attracted to that person. I'm not saying for everybody sex is like a high up on the list, but it's going to be somewhere. And if you aren't sexually attracted, you're not going to be there really, which is a bit shit, I think. I don't really know because I wasn't really there myself mentally. And what Lou and Karis have is that She quite clearly stated she hates football. She's not into it. But she is interested in what Karis is interested in. So she wants to learn about it and she'll ask about it. If you're not into or don't want to know about what your other half is doing, why are you there? Because that's a bit fucking lonely. I know, I've been there where I was like, I'm not interested in what this person's doing. Not interested. Don't care. Don't want to go to these things with them on your own. Whatever. Massive dickhead. We should not have been together. That was a massive indication. Shouldn't have been together. So if you're not intellectually attracted, sexually attracted, and then emotionally on board, the fuck you doing there? Which... really what i've learned ultimately then in all of this rambling is that i think that people need to actually have a look at where they're at every so often don't read a self-help book implement some strategies and then forget about it two weeks time put it in your fucking diary need to think need to think where am i at where am i at even like with life in general where the fuck are you at and this is where you wanted to be And then can you course correct with the other person? Because that sunk cost fallacy of we've already been here 10 years. Who cares? Yeah, you've been here 10 years, but look. Rach found the courage to move on. Molly found the courage to move on to an entire life built from childhood to move on. Learn to love yourself, however, whatever way you want to do that. If it's more Rin style, absolutely. Have at it. I want to see it on your Instagram stories. If it's more, a little bit more gentle in the style of Naomi, absolutely. Here for that too. But you got to just be brave and like that 10 seconds of courage to make something happen. So in my ramblings, yes, I have learnt some stuff. I'm still being challenged and I still want to continue being challenged. I still want to uncover my biases and see what that's like. Moving forward. and I've got some interesting conversations coming up. So someone who's asking for help from people that listen. Hopefully going to get my twin sister on. Because I feel like that's going to be a really interesting conversation. How we are. 99.9% the same. We've been tested. Yet we are so different. Two peas in a pod, but chalk and cheese. How is that possible? I have a feeling some of it is to do with the fact that I'm gay. Just saying. We've got some conversations on... Dating in other countries, that's got to be a whole thing. Because it's a culture thing. And if you do feel like you want to have a conversation with me, if you've got a story to tell, if you want to get something off your chest, come talk to me. I fucking love it. You're allowing me to indulge in my joy of deep conversations. So thank you for listening, if you are still here. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the comments, the DMs, everything. I'm going to sign it off now, because otherwise I'm just going to keep rambling. Bullshit. So if you have any questions, comments or feedback, I'm all ears. Just keep it kind. Thanks.